You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> S to the H, the L to the Isha. Some call me Sally, others call me Sisha. If you don't like it, I'm going to have to beat ya. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding, y'all. Y'all, y'all, Y-A-L-L, I bet you all thought that Alicia couldn't spell, but now you know, and I got to go. Hey, it's time for the Alicia Show. <laughs> Hello, everybody. What is up? Welcome to the Alicia Show. This is an extension of Black Hair in the Big Leagues. I'm so excited to present this to you. This is one of my first interviews um, for this segment, and I'm, I'm truly honored and my heart is pounding. I'm so excited and so in awe of my gorgeous, talented guest today. Let's see. I don't want to get this wrong. Hold on. All right. So my guest today <laughs> originated the role of Vanessa in In the Heights. Um, I believe, and she can correct me on this if I'm so wrong, I think she made her Broadway debut with Rent. Um, yes, yes, she did, she did. Um, she won a Tony Award for her portrayal of Anita in the Broadway revival of West Side Story. She has starred in Hamilton. She has done countless shows on and off the Broadway. She is, she has a heart for education. She's also an educator. Um, she is a full-blown, like, activist. And she currently is nominated for her starring role of Satine in Moulin Rouge, which we are going to talk about today. Um, please help me welcome Tony Award winner, the extravagant, the beautiful Karen Alibo. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm coming to you from the unceded lands of the Ho-Chunk, which is known as Madison, Wisconsin. And yeah, I use she, they pronouns. And for those who cannot see me, I'm in a striped shirt, uh, black and white, and I have short curly hair and I have caramel colored skin. And I'm in the basement of uh, my studio and there's a lot of art and fan art in frames all around me. It's beautiful. You're beautiful. I had no idea that you um, go by she, they. How long has... How long have you? Uh, I want to say I'm about uh, 10 months old. <laughs> oh, hello. Hi. Okay. Right, right. And I'm still learning and I'm still getting used to all of it. So if I say something wrong at any time, be like, Salisha. Uh-oh. 
Zalisha, that's not it. That's not it. So I am so excited to talk to you because a lot has happened in this pandemic. Honestly, and this is a sidebar. This is, I'm at Ripley Career right now. I haven't touched a studio. I know, I know. I haven't touched a studio since March 11th, 2020. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, how does this work? How do I get on the Wi-Fi? Yeah. Is it clean? Is it safe? Is this okay? Um, a lot has happened since we shut down back in March. You were currently starring in Moulin Rouge. Everybody was talking about you. You are a legend. You're an icon, all the things. And this pandemic has brought up a lot of <laughs> conversation in the world, in the black community, in the Broadway community. People are speaking out. People are saying what's on their hearts, what's on their minds. And there are also a lot of people who are scared. <laughs> I feel like you're not one of those people. <laughs> At the beginning of April, for those of you guys who don't know, um, there's a couple things that happened. An article came out, I think on The Hollywood Reporter, about Scott Rudin being a mess. He's a big old producer and a lot of people spoke out about how horrible he treats the people around him. And so that, along with all the other things that have happened in this pandemic, about a week later, you, Karen, dropped the video of videos on the Instagram saying humanity is more important than my bank account and, it, and announced that you are not going back to Moulin Rouge. I have chills. I had chills when I watched it the first time. I have chills now. That's huge. I think it's just honest. I don't know. I didn't mean for I think in moments when you are um, compelled to do something and you can't understand why. I really did feel like there was something internal that was like, this is what you're doing. And I didn't really have a choice for myself because I need to sleep at night. It, it's also important probably to state that I'm a domestic abuse survivor and also a rape survivor. So when I hear stories of survivors being really brave and putting everything on the line and talking about what they endured, it, it really does fall on my ears in a completely different way. And also, you know, I love my industry so much. I really want it to be, I want it to, to really sort of, it professes to be, you know, a family. And so I was like, where the support for our family members? So it all just sort of felt, it felt necessary for me just to exist. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I have so many questions, and I'm like, where do I even begin? It sounds like you had such a deep sense of conviction that it was, like, not hard. It wasn't even a question for you. No, it wasn't a question. It was like, oh, this is right. It was so clear. Um, and, and that's not to say that it wasn't hard to do, because I, I think... When you watch the video, I'm obviously super emotional and like shaking and like, usually though, when you speak your truth, you, I mean, what's that like saying? Speak your truth even if your voice shakes. 
I was like trembling. And then I trembled for probably about 48 hours afterwards because it was just so much. But um, it was the right thing for me. Um, and, and I can sleep at night. Was this direct? Okay, this sounds like a dumb question. <laughs> and, it, and it might be. There's just so many things that happened during this pandemic. But with the timing, it seems like was was this directly related to that article that had come out? Absolutely. I mean, there are so many other things, you know, for the last year, I, you know, I've been working in this like grassroots social justice, like trying to assist a lot of organizations and starting my own, you know, for this whole year, we've just been working really hard to like have an industry that we can all be proud of in light of all the stuff that we now have been awakened to. And so I really, I actually thought I was going to go back to Moulin Rouge because there were a lot of incredible initiatives that the producers were going to put into play. And in that moment of seeing or hearing so much silence from my industry, I was like, wait, we're going to go back. And everyone's saying like, we're going to build a better Broadway, but we can't do the bare minimum for survivors. And then that made me think I, and unknowing too, this is the other thing, Moulin Rouge like is a tour de force. It is, it takes everything that I have to do it. I never would be able to do what I'm doing now um, with activism and do that, do that show properly. And so I, I sort of weighed the two in my hands. I was like, I could go back to this job and be Satine, but then I would have to let go of the activism. And what I'm seeing right now is that our industry needs me to be an activist. It doesn't need me to be Satine. And I have to do what's better for the community now and probably not what's great for my bank account, but it just means, it just means too much. Right. I'm like, I, I imagine because, because you are so like iconic that you've got your hands in like a million things and you just talked about starting your own organization, which I do want to know about. I will ask you about that. I imagine that like, you've got a million different things going on, but like as somebody who I'm like, gosh, I need a job. Like I've been waiting for over a year to go back to work and I've been doing like these little projects here or there, but like it's not paying the bills. I would feel so like, wow, what do, what do I do? Like, and I still feel this way a little bit like, because, because Karen, you are a trailblazer. You are a leader. People are watching you and listening to you and your actions are speaking very loud. I'm like, oh gosh. And I, as soon as I finished watching your video, I was like, <gasps> I felt a couple different things. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. And total agreement and total support. And I'm sure you felt a lot of support because, because you're doing exactly what you, what you need to be doing. And then also I thought, what am I going to do if the entire Broadway community is like, we're not going back to work? Like what? Have you ever thought about like uh, the possible ripple effects? Like, <gasps> yeah, I, I don't think, first of all, I want to say I, I, it may seem, and this is like a, a large misconception, like that if you have a Tony Award that you're like independently wealthy. <laughs> That's not the case. <laughs> um, I will definitely have to put in applications to get a 95 because uh, the small amount of money that I have is going. And I, I was really sort of banking on going back to work and being able to support myself and my family. So I'm just gonna have to get another kind of job and it's not gonna be an acting job. 
Um, but that's the choice that I made for myself. And I also, I, I have the luxury of having a partner that's with me that is working. I mean, he's not, he doesn't work in a job that makes so much money that I can't afford to not work, but it is definitely, it, it affords me just like a little bit of space to be like, okay, do I need to, can I sort of follow my heart and my convictions right now and then go and get another job and hopefully ends, you know, make ends meet. As far as the industry sort of following suit, there's, there are people who can't do that, right? But this is what I do sort of think is that it doesn't happen without us. And this industry needs to open up. It has to open up. There are too many people uh, that are, are banking on it. And I, and I don't mean just the actors. There are people who, who are pulling all the strings that need for it to open. And so, you know, initially I thought for me, this is what I'm going to do. But when I think about it, if everyone had said the same thing in a moment, um, those people who were pulling the strings would have been like, oh, well, we don't have an industry. <laughs> so we're just going to do whatever they say. We're going to actually just, and it would have been, it, it would have been really quick. Now, the, all of that being said, that's like me pie in the sky, like everyone's in the same <laughs> headspace that I am. There's a lot of fear. Oppres oppression has a lot of fear linked to it. So if you don't believe that you can make a change personally, then you could never be able to take a stance like that. And I don't fault anyone for that. Oppression is insidious and it is, it is withstood the test of time. So I don't, I don't really fault people for saying I can't do it because they haven't really seen a future or an existence in which they weren't oppressed. I can't fault someone for not seeing a better future for themselves because it's never been presented. What was your family upbringing? Because listening to you, you are so confident. You are so self-assured. <clears throat> I'm like, how, how do you get there? How do you get, how do you get to that inner work that it I did a lot of training this last year. I mean, as everyone, you know, there was that whole sort of, I want to say right after the pandemic, I kept looking around and thinking, this can't be it. I might have always been someone who's sort of spoken for people who, who didn't feel like, you know, for the weaker people in the room. Over the pandemic, I did a lot of reading and a lot of uh, trainings. Uh, there's like a book that I live by now, which is The Psychology of Repression, which um, was really dense, but I really, I really do understand a lot about my industry and myself. And so I, I'm just trying to, it's not that I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm braver than most. I would just say like, um, now that I have all of this information, rather than duplicate things that I've done in the past to my demise, I'm trying to utilize these resources in real time at all times which seems like, oh, you know what's going on. And I'm like, no, I just read it in a book. And then I've, I've sat down and I've been really quiet and I've seen how white supremacy is like coursing through my body and like works in my language and works in my relationships. And so now I'm at every single turn, I'm sort of like interrogating myself to try to, um, to, try to rid myself of what I feel are like some serious shackles but that's not necessarily like, it doesn't make me superhuman. It just makes me somebody who wants to use the tool that I found. Can you remember the first time that you had to advocate for yourself? Whether it was in real life, on stage, backstage, like when you were like, oh. Probably, I mean, I, I, no, I can't remember. I mean, I'm, I've always been like, 
you know, biologically a female and I've always been brown. So, <laughs> and I grew up like in the South. So there, you know, there is, uh, I, I, yeah, there was, there was always a period of time in which I was always, uh, I, I don't have to tell you. Right. I'm sure it was like as young as like first grade. <laughs> My gosh. That's just how it is. You, you know. I am just now learning, like I have been doing this podcast called Black Hair in the Big Leagues and I've and I actually wanted to have you on there, but I'm like, this is way, this is way more important. We need to, it's talking about hair, and, but talking about hair for like a black person, a brown person, it, it translates into like our identity, how we're showing up and going backstage and being like, this is my texture <laughs> and having to say something. It to me, it is still scary. And I'm over here asking like, how do you handle this? Like, have you ever had to do anything like that with your own hair backstage? Like, yeah, I mean, I think hair. Of, I, you say like, it's scary. I, I always think of um, there's someone in the room that might be watching me and might feel the same way that I do. And so I try to, to advocate for myself because when I don't, I mean, and you know this, I don't have to tell you, as a person of color, if I don't advocate for myself, I leave the door open to be mistreated. And so I'm constantly trying to model standing up for myself because I know that there's someone else who probably needs it. And also it's the only way to keep myself safe in spaces. And I'm always scared. I mean, that's the other thing. It's, I, it has to be said, I'm an actor, right? So I can seem very like self-assured and I can seem incredibly confident because that's what they pay me to do and I'm, I'm good at it. Right. But I'm shaking inside at all times. So it, it is, um, I mean, I'm definitely using my skill set to sort of push over that uncomfortability so that I can advocate for myself. I'm like, I'm listening to you and I wonder, I'm like, can you hear yourself? You, and it's always funny because it's easier to see it on other people, at least for me. It's always harder, like when people tell me things, I'm like, what? I don't know. But when I'm listening and talking to other people, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're saying I'm not braver than anybody else. I'm, I'm scared. I'm shaking in my boots. They pay me to be confident. I'm like, this is so relatable. It's so relatable. But you must know that you have a tremendous amount of courage. And just listening to you, I'm like, Salisha, take notes because it is so scary in the moment to stand up for yourself but hearing you it's like when it is more than about you it's easier to be like okay there's girls who are going to be replacements girls who are coming after me people who are going to be in this section people who are in the the room right now who are like well if karen speaks up because she's the lead they'll listen <laughs> like and and that's a real thing like you are a leader you are a trailblazer and what you're doing is so important and I am taking notes because I think no matter what level you're at, whether a lot of people are watching you or even just a small amount of people are watching you, like anybody who is even listening to this, like you are a leader in some space, in some room, on some level and to do the right thing and make it not about you, if that will make it easier. That's kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm getting. Your students are so lucky. How long have you been an educator? I've been an educator on and off for about close to 10 years. I mean, it started like most things where, you know, people ask you to do master classes before you should actually be doing master classes. They're like, oh, you've done a 
Michelle, come and teach these kids. And then I would get into the spaces and I'd be like, you didn't really vet anybody. You just letting anybody talk to these kids. <laughs> but my dad was actually a teacher um, and taught art therapy for many years. And so I had the proximity to his sort of like curriculum and the way that he treated students. And so I had like a little bit of a framework. Um, and then I just started thinking about how I would have how I would have wanted to be taught. And so I, I just tried to create my own way of um, reaching students. Um, and I've been doing that for 10 years and I've taught at a couple of colleges and I thought at one point that's what I wanted to like really transition out of acting to do. But it really, there's so many, um, I wanted to do like higher education, I wanted to do like collegiate teaching and it, it's, there, it's problematic, right? And when we look at the curriculum that's being taught currently and we look at all these systems that are already in place at these PWIs, it's really, really hard. And, I, and I've watched a lot of my colleagues go into these spaces and try to literally decolonize curriculum and not be able to do it because of there's so much red tape. And so I started to think like, what is it that I, how can I be most useful? Because that will tap me of all of my energy and resources and I'm fighting an, an entire system. Um, so I'm starting to rethink, I'm, I might just do more like private coaching. Those universities will, they want you to do a lot of work because especially being, you know, gender nonconforming and a person of color, they're like, oh great, you check a box for us. And so they like, they'll throw everything at that one person of color that they have on their staff. And so you have to be really careful. If you really wanna make an impact and you wanna do the work with the students, you have to go straight to the students and you have to sort of alleviate yourself of all of this other BS. Um, so I might just do more private coachings and um, I have a handful of students that I teach now, but that might, that might have to be the way until these universities can get their acts together. Wow, okay. And, but I do believe that if you ended up at a university, you could be like, listen. I mean, you would say that, but white supremacy is really, really strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even if you have people who are like, I want to make the change. It's like, if you, if you haven't made the change within yourself, um, even if you're like a good person who's trying to do the right thing, uh, we have been conditioned, we have been socialized. And so that stuff will live inside of you and you have to be working on it at all times. And so even good people can uphold white supremacy. And so it, it, it's hard. It's really, really hard. What is something that you tell some of your students now that you wish you knew when you were getting into all this? Hmm. Actor agency, like really being able to like find your own baseline and really listen to your instincts. I feel like uh, a lot of younger students that I come in contact with have been inundated by images and videos that they that are readily available. And so they almost adopt what they see rather than what they feel and what they know because of their life, their lived experience. And so I usually try to get them to turn off all of that other stuff and really get quiet and think about what they know to be true and then and sort of approach all of the work from what you know and that will give you a little more confidence rather than you trying to adopt something that you've seen. Because yeah. then that's when like all of that, all of the, that negative narrative really gets a hold. You won't be able to hit that. That's not the right choice. But if you, if you sort of get quiet 
and you used your lived experience and that's the, the sort of catalyst or the jumping off point, then everything that you do is based in truth and you can be confident in the space. So I preach actor agency and like getting quiet and listening to yourself. Oh, I love this. I'm like, Salisha, before Broadway comes back, quiet yourself and know. Um, also, earlier you mentioned that you're starting your own something. What was that? You've been oh, or not for profit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so last year, uh, Eden Espinoza and I started a not for profit called uh, Affect, which is Artists for Economic Transparency. And uh, we've just been working on trying to educate um, artists and stakeholders on the financial structures and, and truthfully, like systems that are built to oppress people within our industry. Um, because if you think about it, if you went to school for, for acting, they didn't really talk to you about the business part of it. <laughs> so you get into the business and you're like, all I know how to do is sing, you know, sing my 16 bars, do a dance call, get the job and stay in the show. But I don't know how to deal with my money. And that's that's the way that people are really um, vulnerable in our industry. And so- Especially in New York. <laughs> it's expensive here. New York, you wake up and you owe New York like $100. You owe? <laughs> it is so expensive. You have to work a 40 hour job and try to audition. And like, it's, why don't they teach us that in school? Like you need to save now so that you can get to New York and at least like have a little mental space for, you don't, so that that's A-F-E-C-T? A-F-E-C-T, yeah. Affectchange.org. This is incredible. You're incredible. Um, just one last thing. What happened to the Tony Awards this year? I don't know. <laughs> I got a thing in the mail that said I was nominated and I got my little pin, but I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I, truthfully, I got other things I got to deal with right now. You know what I mean? Like, I can't wait for these Tony Awards. Honestly, honestly, I'm like, Y'all, everyone got excited and then nothing happened. Like, you can't do that. It's been a whole year of, and plus of that. Um, but that aside, my last question for you is like, what are you grateful for today? Is there anything that you're excited about or looking forward to? Yeah, there's a lot of work that's happening. Um, specifically today, I'm actually gonna go sit on a, a panel for um, Broadway for Racial Justice is doing like an, a salon to explain to the public about some of the stuff that they have some of the initiatives that they've been doing and um, and the resources and tools that they have. So I'm really excited about that because I think the more we can get the word out about the tools that are out there, the more we can start helping people that are going back to work. Um, that's really what I'm interested in right now. There are so many people who need the jobs that are going to, you know, they're going to be flooding the marketplace. And so having them have the resources that they need to stay safe and to be smart um, in this business that is already a little rocky is really, I, I'm really happy that we can, we can keep providing that for people. So yeah, that's what I'm grateful for today. Do you think you'll ever go back? Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, not going back to Moulin Rouge doesn't mean that I'm not going to act. I think I'll act really soon. I just have to be really careful about where it is, like who I endorse. And also like, is it the time for me to stop doing what I'm doing to go back and, and be an actor? Okay. Oh, I love that. I have so much love for you. I cannot wait to follow your journey. You're just thank you. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing.
and and for speaking and taking the time and everything. Oh, that's the love I feel for you. <laughs> that wraps another episode. Thanks for listening to The Salisha Show. See you next week and don't be shy. If you love the show, please tell me why. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Go one step further, tell a friend or two. Check out my site if you think it was the bomb. Pay a visit to SaliciaThomas.com. One last thing before I relax. Shout out Josh Carey and thanks, Podmax. <laughs> I'm out, I'm out. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.